welcome to a very special episode of It's a Mimic Podcast. With me today are James and Dave. Hello. And I'm Megan, Hi. of course. Of course. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, really? I thought you were Brad. <laughs> you know what? I have a very feminine, delicate voice. I think that absolutely you can easily mistake that, that for sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, today is one of those days where we get to roll some dice, answer some questions from our fan base from around whatever platform they should so choose. I think that each of our different sheets is a different platform. I have Instagram, email, and more Reddit. Uh, mine is the usual suspects. Mine is Reddit and YouTube. Okay. Right. So I think we've got a good plethora of questions to answer today. This is the one to you goes first. Black, right, 16. Okay. I, go, I got 13, so Dave go goes first. Uh, I, I have the red one, so I'm going to roll a red one. All right. All right. Uh, number nine. At Spidey Rich asks, what race not in 5e would you want to play doesn't have to be in a previous edition. So just like fantasy race, I would assume? Because this is not in 5e? Yeah, I mean, there were other races in previous editions that... Don't exist now in 50. Yeah, and there's some now that didn't exist before. Um, That's a hard one, especially with expanded races out there. Yeah. There's a lot of things that cover a lot of bases. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google what races are not in 50. All right. <laughs> yeah. I know that they've spoken at by they, I mean Adam and probably Dan. I've spoken a lot about Kender, and they seem like a real pain in the ass. Adam or Dan or the Kender? I wasn't specific. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So D and D races that are still not playable in fifth edition. Lupin. Yeah, but we got the Heron gone. Yeah, Spirit Folk. Okay. Okay, that'd be cool. But oh. I mean, Kalish Tar. No, I guess yeah, they're, they're, they're more, more dream than spirit. Yeah, they're yeah. dream than spirit. Yeah, sure. yeah. Okay. The Alan from um, three point five, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, Shard Mind. Sounds cool, whatever it Sounds is. Sounds dope. Um, Seems like Kalistar, just on the name, though. Shard Mind. Kender. Yeah. Dragonlance, setting of D&D's first edition. Similar to Halflings. Cute. Um, the Asherati, which is, that's 3.5, right? I, I've never heard of them before. Could be. Got a cool name, though. And then the Bwoman. Woman, <laughs> which are from 3.5, uh, native to the astral plane, uh, again, uh, they're referred to as the moaning monks. Oh, oh, huh, huh. interesting. Uh, I'm gonna go with Kender, yeah, yeah, that because it's cute. the only one that I'm really familiar with. Yeah, I would, I would love to go with a moaning monk. I'm just <laughs> fair, I would probably do the shard mine just because that sounds cool, sounds like something you would do, sounds a little edgy, yeah, uh, a little yeah. edgy, a little like. Oh cerebral yeah yeah really work in there get the mind yeah screw people with their heads as opposed to physical violence because that's always fun okay but hold it's on kind of your mo it is yeah. the moaning monks uh it speak entirely in song Ooh, that could be fun so a moaning monk bard yeah no don't do a bard do something that's entirely away from music and you're off key the whole time yeah, barbarian oh, i love to smash yeah. things <laughs> my favorite things to smash our faces <laughs> And apparently there are penalties if they break their vow of using uh, song as their traditional speech. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. That could be really fun. That would be the, like, could you imagine sitting at a table with Adam DMing and Dan playing one of those? <laughs> and, like, just the back and forth between the two of them trying to catch he the would get one? No, he would get rewards for not singing. That's probably true. That's yeah. how that would flip, 100%. That's true. Doesn't Dan owe you some song? Yeah. yeah, he owes most of us a song. Yeah, I'm the only one who got a song. Yeah, well, that's because your name like screamed, "Give me a song," which was Xenthos, yeah. the Freshmaker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was an easy sell, my guy. True, true. <laughs> All right, who's next? That uh, was me. So I'll roll black. 
19. So from user accidental dialogue says, y'all are DMs. What are your character creation go-to rules? What homebrews for character creation have you tried and went well? Which ones have flopped? Kind of along the same lines, if ability score generation is some people do feats, a free feat, free magic item, etc. Well, you're first, James. For me, for go-to character creation for NPCs is having a motivation. Like, before like anything above else. above your backstory. Yeah, above like their backstory. Yeah. Like, what's their motivation for being in that situation? What are they trying to get out of the party, essentially? Okay. Sure, I think this is more, like, PC-based, though. Like, if you, if you were going to set your guys to roll uh, PCs, oh, yeah. how would you set it up? I do the 4d6 drop one. Yeah? I usually tell them to do 7 and drop the lowest as well, if it's a new party of players. So they're all... Playing the power fantasy they want to play. Sure. Uh, how do you deal with magic items and stuff like that? Uh, it depends on the game. So I, I would say it depends on the level, too. Yeah, it depends yeah. on the level, depends yeah. on the game, depends on the players. Like, I've been a part of games where players who are not very... They don't really read their stuff. They're fairly new to it. We've given them extremely overpowered magic items, but not told them how they operate. So, we've given you the basics. So, you know how to be able to defend with it if it's a defense shield or something like that. But if it's got extra abilities, we've written it out for you. It's visible for you to read. You need to remember it. So it helps them engage in the game a bit more because they'll remember after the fact, oh, I could have done this to stop the bad guy two rounds earlier. Yeah. And then they'll remember that and they'll follow that more often throughout the whole game. Yeah. Fair enough. What about you? Um, I, I mean, for building the character, I usually just do the the roll, roll your dice and drop the lowest. And then I'll say re-roll your ones. Because that fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, well, sorry, ones and twos usually. But when it comes to magical items, I, there's something that I, we adopted from Adam. And that was based on the character level. They'll give you a certain amount of magical items based on your character's backstory. And then you get to choose two or three of them that you are required to attune to, whether they're attunable or not. Because they're like custom to your character. Yeah, you which, tell him what your character is and he'll build and stuff he'll build for you stuff. and you get to pick what you want. Yeah, it kind of inspires your character, your players to actually build a backstory that's worth giving a magical item to. Yeah. Right? I also found it was neat doing it that way because I was able to... Were you around when I was playing my Triton? Yeah. I, I had an item called, uh, it was just brass knuckles, but it gave me advantage on unarmed strikes, Fair. which was super powerful. Mm -hmm. Right? So I was a barbarian, but I was just running around punching stuff the whole time and it was... Like, one of the most effective characters I've had. Yeah. But, uh, no, I think, uh, like, traditionally when I'm doing character creation, it's the 4d6 drop the lowest. Uh, Reroll ones and twos, obviously. Uh, sometimes it's roll seven drop the lowest, not always. The one we're currently doing, our Sundays, Megan, remember we did that uh, auction point buy thing in the backyard at Dan's here? I and wasn't there for that. No, we, we drafted it. We all rolled all the numbers together. Yeah. And then we rolled initiative and we all got to pick which number we wanted first. So we kind of got to like go through it. Okay. So we, we all rolled the 4d6 and then made a big pool of, yeah you know, of numbers and did it that way. Oh, uh, I'm trying to play the team game. Yeah, it didn't work out it so well It would not work. No. Yeah, no. no she got, I, think, I think she got the eight. <laughs> oh, yeah. over and over again. Yeah, but I mean, we also, I think you were part of it when we did the one shot where we just rolled d20s. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah. like straight up just roll a D twenty, whatever the that's number is, score. that's what yeah. you get. Yeah. 
Uh, and I love that. That, that one great. was fun. That's good for one shots because you can get stupid overpowered parties. Or be way. really ridiculously low powered, yeah. which yep. is fine with me too. Yeah, for a one shot, whatever. Who yeah. gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah, that's how you get you know barbarians with a strength of seven. Seven. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It was wonderful. Thanks for that, Justin. You know what you did. <laughs> yeah, you bitch. All right, I'm going to roll now. All right, do it. I'm going to roll white table. 19. Oh, I have, I have a two-pager. Yeah. You got like a whole two-pager. I've got too. a fucking paragraph to read here. All right, King of Rot asks, how do you keep yourself on track for a D&D campaign as a DM? I get tunnel vision on random side quests that don't really lead the main story of the campaign anywhere, and yet I keep getting distracted, and I keep throwing them at my players. Do you write a general skeleton of main events in a campaign for the players to eventually react to? Just to be clear, our group still has a lot of fun, and I try not to railroad them too hard, but I also like to end our four-year-long campaign at some point because I've got other campaign ideas brewing. Also, I love your podcast. Thanks. Oh, that's nice. Oh. That thanks, King of Rot. Shucks. <laughs> oh, shucks. <laughs> um... I think that the issue with um, D&D campaigns, especially if they're homebrew campaigns, is that you can get very easily sidetracked by new, fresh ideas. X, Y, Z, your players will never do what you think they're going to do, and then you're going to have to make up a whole bunch of new things. I literally walked into one of my friend's campaigns, and I made him build a council, because apparently where I was going had a council, and I was like, I would like to be on that council. And he's like, shit, now I have to make 12 houses with a goddamn council. (laughs) You know what I mean? So... I feel like it's very easy to get sidetracked with those things. And I think that there is some leeway in being able to allow your players to do that. But I do agree with the bare bones skeleton of this is the end goal that we're eventually going to reach. And then whatever you guys do in between to get there is fine. And then I find that a good warning at the end of every session to be like, okay, if you go in this direction, we're looking at another month and a half added to the campaign. Or if we want to go in this direction, we're looking at another two to three weeks of the campaign kind of thing. And let your players kind of decide what direction they want to go based on the timeline. Or you can say, I really wanted it to go in this direction. We're not going in that direction. We're going in a whole nother direction. We might end up playing a different campaign and end this campaign and then continue the main storyline in a later campaign. There's always that option. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I like the idea of using modules. It's very simple. It's very straightforward. I that's pretty much what I do at this point. I have written campaigns in the past, but it just kind of fizzles out. They go a different direction. So after that happened the first time and like my precious story didn't get done, which I think was years and years ago, right? But uh, now it's more of a point form thing. It's what goals do we want to accomplish? This, 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 and this. I'll add that in there along the way maybe. Uh, When we play modules, I try to add stuff as well to try to get a little more flavor, but that's about it. Um, I, I try not to... I kind of let the module do the railroading. Yeah. yeah. For me, I pick an endpoint and a midpoint, and everything's connected. It's all the butterfly effect for me. So if you thought your party was going to go save the town, but instead they decide to go into the sewers, how can't that solve that same problem you're trying to get them to do? Yeah, like that just, milestone. Yeah. Just move it to the yeah, sewer. just move it to the sewer. Reskin <laughs> what you were going to do anyway yeah. and put it on. It's... I know I find it personally can be hard, especially because it's your story. You're attached to it. Release that attachment. Yeah. One of the DMs I played with, she was a brand new DM, was playing excellently, but you could tell she was getting really frustrated with us actively going away from her storyline. Mm-hmm. We were all experienced DMs. We were all out to bugger. And we would actively turn against it. And eventually she got to the point where, okay, I'll just reskin it. And she ended up having way more fun as a DM. And we had more fun congruently as players 
because she was able to just say, okay, here's the change without losing stride. Yeah. Yeah, when you have expectations. Yeah, when you have expectations where the story's going, where you think your party's going to go, it hurts for sure. And they're people. They're going to make decisions you don't expect or they're going to make decisions knowing what you want them to make. Yeah. You'll see a shiny doorway to the left. I'm going right. Because you showed me the shiny doorway. Yeah. I either don't trust you that this door is going to hurt me or something else may be around here. We know the shiny door is there. We can come back. Yeah. And I know this doesn't pertain necessarily directly to the question, but I do feel that if you are feeling as a DM that you are getting completely derailed from your storyline, you have no idea how to get back. There's nothing wrong with telling your group, I need to take some time. Let's skip a sesh. Let me figure my shit out and let's get it together. And if it's happening at the table, there's nothing wrong with saying guys like, I, I need to take some time to figure this out. Like, how about we just have a night of just hanging out and yep. then we'll play something else for a little bit and then we'll come back to it. Cause I've got to, I've got to remap yep. something. Like there's nothing wrong with taking a pause. There's nothing wrong talking to your party about that too. Yeah. If they're always getting distracted, whether intentional or not, be like, Hey guys, can we either stay on track or turn this game into one of those perpetual, we meet once a month for this game. Yeah. So you play it forever, but once a month you show up to play, you play casually, have fun, but start something else. Yeah. If it turns into beer and pretzels, it turns into beer and pretzels. Yeah. That's why on my Thursdays, we do candle keep. Yeah. Uh, to just kind of, you know, mix it up every modules. so often. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's perfect because they're two sessions at most each, right? Yeah. So no, we have, we have an L5R group that plays multiple games at one time because one is like super serious sadness simulator. Let's cry at the table for four yeah. hours. And then another one is just like beer and pretzels for pirates. Like, yeah. So just to get the two different moods going, right? Yeah. Yeah. But. All right. I am going to roll on the white table. Two. Two. God, you're making me read novels here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this one's okay. So groundbreaking top 33 asks, now that Pepperina is a cast member, can we skip her questions from now on and let her just ask them in random <laughs> that she is a part of oh peps um <laughs> so uh yes actually if you look do you see any uh, i actually Pepperina don't see any peps yours? questions on here i don't either i've got the usual suspects so i would imagine she it would be, be there yeah. and uh no nothing yep, i do not have it as well so uh so yes we can yes we can i feel like from the understanding i think is we're gonna try and get an all girls uh mailbag happening one time there so you go perhaps. dave yes Oh, so no, this is your time to shine thing. with me okay. and Pep, Steve. <laughs> All right, let's do it. I'm into it. All right, okay. James, you're up. I will roll red. All right. 14. 14. Uh, Finisher7119 asks, what's the worst spell in D&D 5e? And what is the worst spell in all of D&D? Worst spell in 5e? Polymorph. No, there was something I was bitching about the other day. One second. Oh. oh no. Well, I mean, I got this one. Huh. Obviously, it's friends. Yeah, Why actually, I hate friends. Friends is a isn't bad a spell. Isn't it a cantrip, though? I, I, it might be. I don't know. It does very little. I guess that counts. It does very little. Look, I don't I don't want yeah. to make friends in real life. How <laughs> dare you force me to do it in my role-playing games? Yeah. Right. I also have issue with command. It's not strong enough for what it is. Uh, it's too Again, ambiguous. isn't that also yeah. a cantrip? <laughs> Uh, I think it's a first level spell. Yeah, it might is be. It? it might be. I feel, oh, maybe it's because I played Paladins. It just always happens. Yeah, you me. have that. <laughs> you and your holy sword of justice. Always real life Paladin right here, my guys. Uh, no friend, like friend. It's got to be friends, right? It just. I don't know. What about guiding bolt? Yeah, that <laughs> can be useful. It has to be the right circumstance. The though. right circumstance and the right dice roll. Yeah, like it's that's rare flat. that it works. Yeah. It's but another it one does, of those. But when it does. Yeah. I guess so. Is it worth it for the when it does? No, but you're not going to use it all the time. Like that's a, that's 
well, guys, I got nothing I can really do on my turn, so I will do this. It might have some good effect, right? It's, That's fair it, enough. It has been like my last ditch effort, kind of like I have yeah. this on my thing. I Because I think it's like, what, a bonus action? I think so. Yeah, like, I'm not close enough to hit. I'm yeah. not going to get close enough no, to isn't hit. isn't it an action? I think it costs you a full action because it's dumb. I think that's why I dislike it. I feel like we're starting to try and convince each other of the worst spells are actually useful, and I don't know. Yeah, I think we should just stop here. <laughs> uh, what about in all of D&D? Have you guys played any other editions? I haven't gotten in other editions to know enough. Um, uh, yeah, no. I'm sure Dave's. What are, like, some of the weird ones of, like, when you're exploring that no one ever actually uses? Like... Um, not necessarily detect magic, but like, I think there's like a find traps spell oh, yeah. that will never get used if you have a rogue in your party. Yeah, or a just, decent, uh, hunter. Well, we, like in my games, we don't really deal with food and water yeah. and that kind of thing. So, oh, so like, yeah, or like purifying yeah. food and water or whatever. Those spells are kind of useless when you're not using them. Uh, the spell to store a body for 10 days without it rotting. Like, there's I a spell not, that does yeah. that? If I'm not getting my companion back, I'm not getting my companion back right away. Okay. Like if I'm not resurrecting them now, having 10 days to get them back somewhere isn't going to be enough time for me to deal with it. Yeah, that's fair. When I played 3.5, there was a book called The Spell Compendium. It was an entire book full of additional spells. And it was by far the worst book I ever bought because it allowed all the players access to all of these additional spells. I love that. No, it was terrible. It's just a player, I love that. Well, yeah, it, it sounds great except for the fact that now you're sitting around a table and you got six people all trying to fight for the same book and nobody's looked it up and you haven't been playing with this stuff very long. So nobody really knows how this stuff works and it's all really oddball. So it's very specific. So it's like it just it that book slowed our game down so much. There were some neat spells. I think there was like a like rainbow blast or something where it's like a, a ray attack, but it does different kinds of damage. It's like 60, 10 damage. And, you know, there's one fire, okay. one lightning, one, right? Okay. okay. So, like, it's kind of neat. Like, there's some neat yeah. stuff in there. But just, it, it really was one of those things where you needed everybody to have their own copy or at least photocopies of the spells they wanted. Yeah, like, that was probably the worst experience with spells we had. Probably better. In it tried this. to be such a good thing and it just, like, Probably it. better with the internet. Yeah. yeah. Where we have access to just look it up on our home phones. Yeah, that's true. Well, we didn't have that back then. No, James. it was the dark back times. In the David. day when yeah. phones were stupid. When they flipped open. <laughs> they flipped open. Yeah. I had a QWERTY keyboard and I thought it was oh, hot shit. Man. QWERTY. Razor? Oh, Ooh, I was baby. rocking T9 on the knockoff Razor. Ugh. Oh, my God. Figures. Yeah. Figures. Son of a bitch. All right, whose turn is it? All right, James, you're uh, I just Oh, no, you rolled. just rolled. Oh, is it turn. me? Yeah, uh, I will do your table, James. Six, just because I want to make you read. <laughs> Six is very small. Is it? Okay, here we yes. go. <laughs> That's what she said. At Myron Hannah. Oh, Hannah. Asks, how to deal with purposely difficult players? Kick them out of your game. That's, yeah. If they're at that point, kick them out. <laughs> I mean, again, it depends on the level. Yes. If a player is being difficult, obviously, as a human being, you want to have the conversation. Yeah. Have the constructive criticism conversation mm -hmm. with them. If they're at your table, it is because they want to be there. So you kind of, it's your job as the DM is to try and help that synergy. So it kind of depends on what the struggle is. Yeah. If they're struggling with other players and the players are complaining about them, then it's a group discussion. Mm -hmm. If it's like, and just like group dynamics. Yeah. Being like, like, hey, at this table, we've discussed there's some issues. Let's talk about yeah, it. If they're a rogue that always goes out to steal every time the town they go into town. Punish them. Punish them. 
have consequences. Throw them in jail yep. and make sure the other party can't get them. Yeah. They're, they're stuck there for a whole or session. Or make it like, yeah, or make it like a very, very difficult decision whether or not they're yeah. going to go save them. Make it, like, make it not worth their while. So the rest of the party, and now they have to rely on the rest of the party being nice to them with them being a dick for so long. Yeah. You're you're really bordering on confrontational yes. DM right there. Which, trust me, I know I am one. Uh, <laughs> it's what I do naturally. It is. It, and you know what? It works well. Um, I, I've had problems. I don't have problem players, but I have certainly had players that I've had a problem with. And, While you've been a player? Uh, both. Yes, okay. Um, as a player, I'll try to kind of like sit down and just, maybe that was a one-off. Mm. Maybe it's a two-off. Maybe maybe my friend is actually like projecting something and trying to like get to the root of it. Maybe they're trying to work through some internalized trauma. Let's see where this goes. Well, yeah, well, yeah because like <laughs> the people I play with are, are like genuinely friends and, and I try to, I, I feel... Like, I know them as people. So uh, if they're acting out of character, that's weird. If they're always an asshole, you probably should have invited them to play in your game anyways. Right. right? Uh, however, there are other ways to sit down. We uh, sat down and did another, like, Session Zero, where we stopped and we reestablished things and reset the expectations uh, and made sure that we were on, you know, there was one player that was always uh, late. So we kind of, like, laid it out for them and made it very clear that we wouldn't be slowing down. And there would be consequences, like they wouldn't be getting their inspiration dice if they were late and stuff like that. So there's there's ways to go about it without necessarily just being like, no, Van Hammer, gone. Uh, but I'm just a wrathful person, so. Yeah, but I, I like the approach of try to make it work. And then when it doesn't, it's time to. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, I said yeah. have the conversation. Yeah, have right? the conversation. See if it can be resolved. Depends on the type of difficult they are. And if they're the type we all know is out there, just get them out. I'm it's not worth the player. stress. I don't know why Adam hasn't kicked me out yet. Sometimes I wonder. Yeah, it's okay. I think he enjoys the difficult I am. That's what I tell myself. Yeah, to make yourself oh. feel better. I don't need to make myself feel better. <laughs> I feel great. Should you, though? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe, perhaps. Love it. That is not a problem for me to decide. That's for my therapist. Fair enough. All right, where are we at now? David. Uh, is it me? You yeah. can roll it's a me. die. Eight. On the red, uh, oh, this one, at underscore it's Mieka asks, do you like modules or would you rather not be tied down to a set way of DMing? Uh, David already said he likes modules. Yeah, I like modules. This should be no surprise. Uh, however, like I have said, in addition to that, I like adding my own stuff to it as well. I like spicing it up a little bit. Modules are a great bare bones. Uh, this way I don't have to look up big storylines or plot hooks, or keep things interesting, or worry about where traps are, or what monsters mm-hmm. are where, or theme the different levels of my dungeon, or anything like that. Yeah, I can just worry about the what have my players grabbed onto, and how can I expand that. Yeah, right? I like I like using modules for weird lore background bullshit. Mm-hmm. So like I've been reading a lot of Storm King's Thunder lately. Never played in that game ever. Yeah, but there are a lot of bits and pieces where I'm like, I would love to use this in another campaign. Yeah. Just as like this character's background story or like this big boss's background story or X, Y, Z, I would love to use within a homebrew campaign. I've never homebrewed a campaign from beginning to end. I've always used piece, bits and pieces of modules and characters and what have you to put something kind of together that kind of fits. But to your point, to be able to be able to look back and be like, okay, well, this is the stat block. So I don't have to worry about building one. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like the map that I want to use. So I don't have to worry about drawing one. And all that kind of stuff, right? So, yep. For me, it's about the amount of commitment I want to put in and who I'm playing with. 
Yeah. If I'm playing with new players and I w- and I want low commitment, definitely a module. Most of it's done for you. You're able to step them through a campaign that's more laid out. Because if I'm doing, especially if I'm writing myself a campaign, it is going to be extremely disjointed because that's how my brain works. They're not helpful for anyone, but that's how it happens. And it'd be hard to take a new player through. When you're not only explaining mechanics, you're explaining a world you've only like 80% developed. Yeah. So modules for the most part, yeah. easier. But it's nice if you're going to jump into a dungeon to be yeah. like, okay, let's find a random dungeon in one of these modules exactly. and throw the map out and you know where everything is. Yeah. Right? It's a nice change of pace even if you're doing a different module saying, here's a du- one floor from the Mad Mage. Yeah, so that if you have someone who's played like fucking straw 9,000 yeah. fucking times, like we all have. <laughs> yeah. I've never played it. Get really? the fuck out of here. Yeah. Like I'm pointing directly at Dave. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, we all played it. Nope, <laughs> I think I've played in like four or five Strahd campaigns. Uh, I would love to, but uh, never never got around to Maybe I'll run you one. I've, I've, but I'm yeah. going to use maps from every other module. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> and sure. throw a giant in there for you. Well, I mean, <laughs> some modules, like the, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, the maps per level have it built right in where there's there's pathways to the expanded dungeon where you can do your own stuff yeah. in addition to, right? Like the, the modules are meant to be more comprehensive than mm-hmm. they are. Yeah. Right? So. Fair enough. Right, James. One. Oh, critical uh, fail. Sweetie Boo. i sorry for butchering your name. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. It's okay. It. It's probably not their real name. I hope not. It'd be weird if it was. Yeah. Okay, back to reading the question, David. Well, go ahead. Another question for our wise DMs. So no one here. Fair. Some of my friends are asking to be introduced to D&D through a one-shot. What level or tier is best to introduce new players to the game and why? Is there an adventure you'd recommend or other? Thanks. Three and Strahd. <laughs> oh, God, you're mean, but yes. Right. Strahd was my first campaign, so, like, I can't say anything against yeah. that. Uh, for me, level 10 in that sheep campaign, someone has a free PDF of online. Mm. Honestly, one of the best intros to D&D I've played. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, free modules you can just basically search yeah. up and, like... Find something simple for intro players. Yeah, my, my intro to 5th edition was The Lost Minds of Fendelver. Mm. And it was spot on. It was the perfect intro oh. to get to learn the mechanics. I played yeah. that sheep one three times now. One of them was reskinned. And in the most recent one, we've followed the steps most of the time. Followed the sheep, tried to figure out what we could do. One of our players was a druid. I've had druids play this with me. They had talked to animals. We've had people who have talked to animals play with us. They crit that. No one's ever thought about it I've played with to talk to animals to the sheep. Because yeah. why would we? Brand new player, that's the first thing they thought of. And it solved 80% of like the struggle you go through in that campaign. Mm-hmm. But we were all like blown away with them. We we're like, that's amazing. Like, I've done this a few times. I've had that spell and it never connected. Yeah. I've never <clears> thought about, I can talk to this animal and figure out what it wants. No, I'm reading pantomimes the whole time. Yeah, love that for you. Yeah. It's kind of more on you, though, there, isn't oh, it? Oh, 100% on you. Yeah, you're like, oh, I want to be so creative. We've been in several with other people, though, so I wasn't alone with experienced players never thinking about the simple spell. Oh. Because we're all experienced players who've had higher level spells, who focus on higher level things, not this animal can talk to me and give an answer. Just give me what you've got. Let's deal with this. That's one of my favorite things about playing with new players is seeing how they apply the spells that we've used forever yeah in different ways that we never thought of. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting to see. I like people being creative with their battle tactics. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. That's just me. 
But I remember my first introduction to D&D 5th, because I played one campaign in 3.5, hated it, thought I'd never play D&D again. Played one campaign in 4th, and then my first campaign in 5th was a homebrew rural Japan. I played an Oni, which nice. was a homebrew everything. Mm-hmm. And so I never really got... Yeah. Like the experience of what 5th edition actually had to offer, because I was playing this character that basically had nothing to do with 5th edition. So, yeah, but level 3 is my, at least, just so they can get a little, a little bit, bit of a of taste power. and a little bit of power. But you don't want to overpower them. Oh, no, exactly. I'd, I'd say like a level 5, because that way you're starting to look at like early yeah. tier 2 monsters. <laughs> if they're just running around fighting CR1s and 2s, it's not a lot of fun. Yeah, but, but you, you can get can... them some weird stuff. They've got some like powers... They've, they've hit that fourth I think it level depends on the group you're where they can get you. feats and stuff like that. I think that's asking too much of new players. Yeah, sometimes there's a lot at fifth. I think you want to be around fourth or fifth level at most. But, but that's why I would have a session zero. And then I would have a character creation session they're where we go a, through all this stuff. Based right? on the question, though, they're trying to do like a one shot with people who don't know if they'll be into it. So that's where you're able to go in and say, roll these dice. Here's your character. Here's what you've got. Personally, I'd even go in with a bunch of characters pre-built. Well, again, yeah. they've got the starter kit. Fandelver's right there, yeah. and yeah. they give you they give you starter yeah, characters, characters to play. I would, and I'd like, power it, those it, up. It though. is good. It's a reason that's the one yeah. that's the starter kit. Yeah, fair enough, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. All right, I'm gonna roll on my chart because y'all being selfish with your own too. So, yeah, three. Oh, king of rot. Hi. <laughs> What's your favorite piece of folklore to use in in your D and D campaigns? And what's one that you might use but haven't yet? Mine is the concept of changelings, the baby swapping thing, not yeah. the playable race. Skinwalkers, I've always wanted to use. Skinwalkers. Yeah. Oh. But one I've used. Uh, so going to be lore from like? Do you think from anywhere, or does it have yeah, to be like a D and D lore? Anywhere I was going for. Her. Okay. I don't know. I like the idea that like um, uh, times of day require a different amount of energy and power. So, like, if you're in the daytime, there are certain characters that are more overpowered than others. Okay. And in nighttime, other characters yeah, are more overpowered that'd be cool. than others. Um, or the fact that names have power. So, if someone knows your, your true, true name, name yeah. and speaks it, they now have, depending that's on the some kind of power like, over you. Like, there's a certain race that would have yeah. that capability. That's, I love that in lore, is that names have power. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Interesting. I'm not sure I've ever really dug too much into it. What's, like, a folklore tale that's one of your favorites, though? Bigfoot, Dave. I mean, we have played with Bigfoot. Were you part of that? No, no I think that was. Sorry. I think this was a Justin thing. Uh, we had the Sasquatch in it, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. He, he was a Kotoa god, which yeah. which was absolutely wonderful. Thanks, Justin. Like that was that was. That was That's great. the one thing you're gonna praise them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good job. Shit Thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Other than that, I don't think I really dealt too much. I just kind of stuck to the to the main like fantasy tropes and mm. that kind of thing. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to use dreams more in D&D. Yeah, it would be interesting. Like prophetic dreams are just like, in general, like you have nightmares on a regular basis. But you have to figure out whether they mean something or not. 90% of the time they mean nothing. Yeah, that's something we need to... But that 10%. But that 10%. Roll a percentile die. (laughs) That's a session zero thing. And yes, it's a message you send your player. Yeah. You send them a garbled message of, this is what your dream was. Yeah. During this long rest, you're sleeping. Yeah. yeah. Private message them this dream, and then they get to deal with what they want. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. But that's a session zero question, too. Absolutely. I can understand that. Yeah. All right. Your turn. Take that, James. Mm. Uh, I'm going to roll on the white table this 15? time. 15. <clears throat> Eric, the Pro- Eric in Prague says... Hello. Hello. 
New listener, but burning through the back catalog quickly. Forgive me if you've answered any of my question. Uh, when a member of a group says they want to try DMing for the group, what do you think about the existing DM taking an almost DMPC role to help the new DM? So this is like your co-DM, I'm assuming. Uh, but still being a player until they get their feet under them or do you think let them find their style even if it's a bumpy beginning approach is better for i think me, we've talked about code yeah. before a few times yeah. for me it's somewhere in between yeah you give them a bunch of leeway but when you see them struggling don't be scared to like yeah, don't be scared to say something but like what i've done before was we had a new dm trying to decide like two players are arguing what type of role they should have to do for something yeah. And I just turned to him and I said, perception or deception, number. And they're like, oh, deception 14. There's your DC. Your decision's done. So just help push them that little bit. Don't guide them. Don't lead them. But give them that little final push. Like, it's your decision. You are the DM. You make the final call. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I mean, I've dealt with, like, with Kyle doing that. Um, he was a new DM. I had a buddy, Sean, uh, who was DMing first for a little while. And... Um, I've all, it's always been difficult for me to go from, as the DM, you're involved in every decision that's going on at the table. Mm. As a player, you are not. I, I found it very hard to step back sometimes and just kind of be like, let the DM do his thing. I've just, I've been the DM for so long that it's it's hard for me to, to, to balance that sometimes. But um, when we play, we are very much of the opinion that nobody here is perfect. Nobody here knows everything. So this is a collaboration. Absolutely. Uh, you come to the table knowing your stuff. I'll come to the table knowing my stuff. And what we don't know, we'll figure it out together. Yeah. And we're not afraid to take five minutes, ten minutes in the yeah. middle and look something up. Uh, when we're playing, if I'm having an interaction with one player and we're not sure on something, but we can continue on, we will. And I'll get a different player to look into that. So it keeps the people that are, aren't doing anything busy as well. And then we can kind of circle around to the problem we have yeah. then, right? So I think there's a collaborative way to, to certainly uh, figure this out. If you are a player and an experienced DM and you have the answer to a problem that your current DM is having and you're not speaking up, you're being a bad player. Yeah. Right? Help them out. Yeah. Uh, but, you know. You have a solution. Yeah. There, there's a way to do it, though. Don't be a dick. Yeah. You right? can always ask, like, do you need a hand? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. There's been many times yeah. to your point when we're doing, especially in battle, if you're like, okay, well, I forget what grapple means. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I'll grab the book. I'll look it up. You can go to the next person's turn. We'll figure it out while we're continuing the game going yeah. to keep the pace going. And then your DM's not sitting there struggling, trying to figure it out themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, the whole point of D&D is it's a team fucking effort. Yeah. yeah. Like. <laughs> and on that, another is explaining why you're telling them something. Yeah. Like if you're saying, oh, it's a deception of 15. Why is it a deception? They are trying to hide the truth. And it's a relatively hard hide. So it should be a DC of 15. Yeah. Like just giving the same information. You're doing information. it against a high elf, my guy. Like yeah. It's gonna be <laughs> you're giving them the same information to the DM, but you're giving them a reason why so they can make that decision for themselves in the future. Yeah. They're able to say, oh, this lie here is a 15 and the other one earlier was a two. So now I know that range. Yeah, absolutely. Team game. Yep. Team effort. Roll that dice. Do it. 18, David. Spidey Rich asks... What's the most evil thing you've experienced a big, bad, evil guy do? That's a hard one. Half of them have been not wrong. Yeah. That's awfully telling about you, James. Yeah, they they go about it the wrong way and they're bad still. I'm not saying they're not, but I'm saying like they are getting revenge for their whole race being wiped out. 
to me, yes, you shouldn't be killing people, but they wiped out your whole race. They may deserve it. We're not going to have an ethics conversation right here, James, but I see what you're getting at. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, what big bad evil guy. Like, they're evil. They trap people. They enslave people. They murder children. But have they done everything, like, like anything, like, extremely awful to one of your players at the table? I mean, I would probably yeah. argue that my players have been the most evil people at my table. Yeah. Fair enough, fair They're enough. They're the ones that have sat down and literally tortured people and literally flayed the skin from the bottom of their feet and made them march until they got the information they were looking for. Like, like they have That's gotten... bad even for me, They Dave. have gotten very, very <laughs> specific with it to the point where it's like, all right, guys, time out. This is not what I signed on for. We are here to play a game. We're not here to play your sick, twisted, torture porn fantasies. Like, no. Hey, man, we don't kink shame, but, like, yeah, go on. But, like... Shoot your shot. Come on. <laughs> you know, get 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 to where you're going. Right? Uh, so, I mean, I like, evil, evil is a spectrum. Right? Evil is a spectrum? Evil is a viewpoint. So... Evil is a state of mind. Yeah. Right? right? So, like. most evil thing, I don't know, murdering children, I guess... But, uh, I mean, that's relatively mundane in the D&D world. Yeah. So, I have a very, very heartbreaking, like, evil man romance story that I can tell. Okay. That's, okay. I'm, that's, that I'm currently actively dealing with in one of my campaigns. Oh. So, I am playing a character who fell in love with one brother, but was betrothed to the other brother. Oh, that's awkward. Right? Yeah. So, she said no to the other brother, because she was in love with the other brother, and then went on with her business, because she's a sailor, so she went off to the oceans, did pirate shit, came back. Really continued to express her love for the other brother, but the betrothed brother technically came on one of the ships with them, and he risked his life for my character. And my character still said, no thanks, but thanks enough. Yeah, good. They don't owe him shit. So he got super angry, went home, and murdered his brother. Oh. So the next time I went to the Isles to visit my said love of my life, I found out he was dead. And now the betrothed brother is now in charge of said castle. So now my character is on a Sansa Stark, like, mission to marry this man and then murder him. Fair. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Yep. Fair. Welcome to the campaign where I requested a council. Yeah. <laughs> no, Are you fair. okay? I'm okay. You know what? Yes. Yes. This is very fresh. This happened like two weeks ago. So it's very fresh <laughs> in my mind. Um, you yeah. sure? You sure? It's fine. This is fine. Everything's fine. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, just have the murder your fucking love of your life. That's cool. <laughs> That's actually probably the most direct evil of a campaign I've like directly heard about that has occurred. Oh yeah, but like the thing is, like he doesn't know that she knows that he murdered him. Yeah, but it's just like, a, oh, oh we fucking know that you he, fucking murdered that guy. Yeah, I'm sure he'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyways, whose turn is it? Your turn to roll. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? I'm okay. I'll red table. 20. 20. Uh, another skip says, Dan just finished installing one of his pieces of furniture in your living room. Yeah. One hour before a party with all of your friends and family gathered. Yeah. Who are you putting in the freshly installed furniture? Dave. <laughs> that was quick. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, I would have also volunteered myself. Yeah, I was it, like, it, I it, will try this out. It's something <laughs> Dave would try out. I know Dave well enough at this point in my life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll try anything once. Yeah. Oh, well, clearly you don't kink shame, so. No, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Uh, I mean, realistically, the person that would get away with it the easiest is Terry, because theoretically it'll have him. I feel like if we turn around and Terry would be in it himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does it work <laughs> Does this it work? way? 
Governor, am I doing it properly? Can someone give me a bottle of water? A bottle of water. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> I remember him say governor once. <laughs> we have in our Call of Cthulhu game. Yeah, we did. Oh, yeah. my Lanta. Uh, it's funny, we're in uh, in England, but yeah. he's playing an American. So, <laughs> missed course. opportunity, Terry. Come on. Uh, yeah, no, no, legitimately, Terry. Um, he's yeah. a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I think Terry is the easy shot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, easy. Yeah. Easy peasy. It is implying Terry is our friend, though. Whoa. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's okay. Fair enough. Like, he does I. Yeah, yeah he's I, I like him enough. He has, like, that one redeeming quality that we won't talk about. Because we don't want to pump his ego. Oh, yeah. Well, you yeah. don't want to say too many nice things. Otherwise, yeah. he'll just be... Yeah. Yeah, you gotta yeah. balance that shit out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I'm You're gonna... our friend, but... <laughs> <laughs> but we don't like... Oh, yes. 19... Uh, another skip again. Another, another skip. Okay, okay. What mini game would you include in a session of distract that player? What do you mean by distract that player? What's something that you can inject into a session to distract your player? Like your player that gets... Distracted. Easily sidetracked. What can you do to sidetrack them, but keep them on task at the same time? Uh, easy. For me... Uh, as an easily distracted player, you you see, like I'm when we play on Sundays, like I'll sit there quietly for like a long time, mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm just kind of like do kind of I'm paying attention, but if I've got like the map that I'm I'm writing out, or you were the designated note, or I'm taking my day. like fifteen yeah. pages of notes, yeah. yeah, yeah, like that is the easiest way to get me. You're a great note taker, by the way. Well, thank you. It's all that time I didn't spend in college. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't have one, I missed one session and I read his 14 pages of notes and I was like, shit. Yeah. There were a couple questions I had because of course with D&D notes, you read them afterwards. You're like, what the fuck did this mean? You write them and you read them later and you still don't know. But as a whole, like great note taker. So yeah, I do like the idea of like dictate them as the note taker for the session. Yeah, give them notes or some other job like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like the idea of, hey... Could you organize the party loot? Yeah. Right? Put it all in one yeah, place. Yeah, keep track of yeah, it. Exactly. Like, that kind of thing. Or, uh, you know, guys, it's been 15 sessions. Here's a new blank character sheet. Maybe update yours while we're, you know, while you're not doing something. Maybe just update yours so it's not all smudged anymore. And, like, you know, you don't have all those notes everywhere. And, like, yeah. sort it out a little bit, right? Fair for fair. There's always homework to be done between sessions. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so I like it. Yeah, my table. Your table, fifteen. Already read it. Oh, seven. seven. All right. Groundbreaking top thirty-three from Reddit asks: Do you use minotaurs more as raging beasts or as intelligent race? Not sure if they warrant an episode of their own, but personally, I prefer them over. But personally, I prefer them from the Dragonlance setting way back in second edition. I have had many Minotaur PCs and really enjoy playing them. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I I think I've played in so many campaigns with animalistic PCs. Yeah. Like, it just they, seems normal now. They really hit the anthropomorphic races we've, hard in 5th edition. We've hit that stride in 5th edition, for yeah. sure. Like, you can yeah. basically pick any animal and you can play it at this point. Yeah. So, I don't feel like there's any reason why or why not to play one. I think it does still kind of have to fit into your world and your campaign. So I think that when you're playing one of those animalistic characters like a Leonin or XYZ, that's a conversation you have with your DM. 
Like even like Tabaxi or like a strange one that of like, does this actually appear in your yeah, world exactly. or your side of the land or like those kinds of things, yeah. right? Are you so rare? Are you going to be hunted because you're rare? Right? Like, can you imagine traveling around with like a yeah. minotaur and all of a sudden you're being hunted? Because yeah. Of, like, and don't get me wrong, I would play them as an intelligent fucking oh, race. Oh, for sure. So that to answer that question, they are intelligent. As a race, they're intelligent, but as every race, there's some dumb ones who are barbarians. And oh, yeah. Like. But yeah. They're going to be your fucking, what is, what is it? What is that fucking sport people do? That we were just talking about earlier. CrossFit. CrossFit. That's how that's how hip I am with the sports yeah, right? these days. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, I've only played in uh, two campaigns with Minotaurs, and it was the same guy playing two different Minotaurs. And of course, it was Justin. Yeah. Uh, his first one was Ramsey, uh, who I think died. Yes. But then Gordon Gore Don. Yeah. You came. would. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Uh, so you know he really leaned into him, and he was he was good at them, uh, because he is very much. If I were to assign him a playable race from D anD D, it would probably be a Minotaur. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But I mean, Minotaurs to me, like my big um, exposure to them was was through Magic the Gathering. I've got a, a red black Minotaur deck that yeah. just like beats everything. Okay, it is. If if you can get it going with like three mana, oh. You are unstoppable. This is not a Magic the Gathering podcast. No, Dave. But, but, <laughs> sort of, there's some crossover. Okay. Okay. But there's, um, there's like different, there's spellcaster minotaurs. There's, uh, you know, frontline brute minotaurs. There's, you know, different kinds. So it, it really shows that they are more than just the, the grunt on the ground. There is like a society to them. There is a hierarchy and there is intelligence to them as well. Uh, and I think that that's just something that's inherently in them. Yeah, you know? yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Fair. Dave. Is it me? Yeah. Isn't it your role? Was it? No, I no, you rolled it. You rolled from my table. Yes. Okay, this is yeah. how much I'm paying attention to what's happening right now. We just, you know, count how many we've had. I think, because I have one, two, three, four, five. I also have five. That is six. So 11. I've done three. Okay. All right, we're well, right. on James's table for a while now. All right, let's do it. Six. Six. We've done it. What? How? You <laughs> get out of here. Thirteen. Thirteen. I've done that one too. No. No. Okay. It's just a paragraph. Anderson Snow fourteen asks, "When can we expect an It's a Mimic themed dice? And can I get first dibs? No clue and no clue." Well, I mean, we do have a member of our party that makes dice these days, and by our party, I mean within the classes of our friendship circle. Yeah, yeah. Charlie isn't really part of the the podcast. Yeah. Charlie um, does dice? Yeah, Charlie does dice. Yeah. Oh, I want dice. I should talk to Charlie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's a great idea. Yeah. I'm I, just going to jot that down real quick here. write that down? Let me just like... I'll, uh, I'll remember, talk. this is our idea. Yeah. I'll talk to the powers that be. Yeah, see what we can get going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there is, <clears throat> shameless plug, other merch available on the website. Absolutely. Uh, in yes. fact, the other day, a uh, It's a Mimic mug showed up at my house. And it's just you know the white mug with the with the I have that one at home the microphone yeah yeah, yeah. logo yeah. on it so nice. it looks nice yeah yeah good quality well worth the money yeah yeah <clears throat> shameless plug over absolutely yep <laughs> uh, now it's your turn now yeah. it's my turn James you again fifteen fifteen it's my favorite number Zachary Melcon I'm terrible at reading these online names Zachary McConnell Let's see you got it there you go nailed it. Yes. Zachary McConnell asks, how much detail is too much detail when describing a building? When it sounds like an architecture textbook. Yeah. 
when your players are losing interest. Yeah. Yeah. If they Period. see their eyes glazing yeah. over, you're, you've overdone How it. much detail is needed for that? Is a reason you're explaining these details relevant to your story? Yeah. If not, you probably don't need it. Yeah. I think the thing to remember when you're describing a building or a room or anything in general, you're, some players are going to listen to what you're saying as if what you're saying is important. So if you then suddenly are getting the habit of you're describing every fucking nook and cranny of the room, nothing is important anymore. Yeah. And your characters are going to have no idea what direction to go in. So it's almost like you have to be strategic with what you are describing. So is the fact that the path is narrow mm -hmm. important? Is the fact that the door frame is large important? Mm -hmm. Because you're insinuating giants live here. Yeah. Like, it's the details that are important for your characters to pick up on are the ones you want to use. Anything mm -hmm. beyond that, useless unless your players ask. And if you're trying to set this as a, say, a castle's a focal point of this town that they'll be going back to often... You don't need to describe it perfectly the first time. Mm -hmm. Every time they come over to the ridge into that valley, they see the towers of the castle jutting over the city. Yeah. Like there's ways to throw this in over many sessions and bring this image to your players you're looking for. Yeah. With castles, the thing that might be important is the fact that the flag of XYZ kingdom is being flown. Yeah. And that's all you got to know. Because that might yeah. be a surprise. It might be known. Right? Mm -hmm. Or that flag has now changed because you told them before it's always been this flag and this new time, town looks a little different. The flag is different, but you don't say the flag is different. You say it's just a different country's name. Yeah. Do your players notice? That's on them. But, but that's the difference between a passive perception and getting them to do an, a perception mm -hmm. or an investigation yeah. check. Yeah. Right? The, the idea that they're going to walk in, uh, when they walk into the room, they're going to see that the ceiling is 10 feet tall. They're going to see that the door is made of wood and that in the corner there's a bookshelf, there's a desk in the middle, and it's got three chairs around and it. And at least six sconces. Only two of which are lit. But I wouldn't even exactly. get into that, right? <laughs> if, if they want to do an investigation check, that's when I'll throw in that level of detail because that tells them that they have done a check, they have gained more information, but there was nothing else to gather, mm. right? Yeah. So that's that's kind of how I do it. Uh, on top of that, when they go into a new build or like a new setting, like a castle or a town or something, it's every every building in here has a straw roof. Every building in here has wooden doors, and they are all unlocked. If that is different, I will tell you. Yeah. All right? So they can just make these assumptions. It kind of streamlines the game a little bit. That's how I like to deal with it. Okay. I like that. Oh, I see how it is, James. I already did that oh, one. We already did that one. Already rolled that one. Eight. Eight. We already did that one as well. Damn it, oh. David. Two. Ew, David. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I do at least once. <laughs> Roll or dice from Reddit asks, there are cults, Hags, succubi, dragons in disguise, doppelgangers, obluxes, and illusion magic in D and D. Mm. Plus mimics, piercers, dark mantles, cloakers, and ropers. Where is this going? Why aren't normal villagers more paranoid? Actually, I've always wondered this. Like, there's so much outside your door. Below average intelligence. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's the intelligence level for me. Yeah. Even if they're at a ten, they still got to be scared of what's outside. Well, I mean, that's why you have, like, why cities always have an army. Why cities always have... But think about every village in the boonies. That, like, how do They've they all still got a watch, though. Even with a watch, a horde of goblins come in, a few bugbears show up. Like, you're gone. Yeah, but the ones that are set up in hostile territory don't last long enough to matter. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's just the... It's kind of the thing where we think of our regular societies. Like, we have... Earthquakes and hurricanes, and yet we build towns and cities on water lines. Yeah. Like we do the same shit, guys. <laughs> like it's just society as a whole. Yeah. 
We love living on the edge of danger. <laughs> you know, the false sense of security. It's my jam. My jam. Yeah. <laughs> I like just constantly feeling like I'm in danger. Keeps me alive. <laughs> <laughs> There's more this truth to that than you will ever know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I think it's just like people got to live. People got to eat. People got to feed their families. People got to keep doing stuff right like everything's about survival it's just a different level of and i mean you look at the risks we're willing to take to get food today are very different than the risks people would take a thousand years ago it's true right our risks are just different we just build towers that are extremely high so if an earthquake happens are you afraid of heights i'm afraid of earthquakes (laughs) and tsunamis (laughs) i trust the engineering put into these tall towers do james i do sweet summer child i trust nothing that is man-made the yeah. same, but <laughs> everyone's like, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, Dan's made some of them. Like, no way, no way. I know Dan. Yeah, yeah only his furniture is good. <laughs> yeah. Oh my Atlanta! All, All right, right, who's next? Megan. Is Megan? it me? I have to roll now. You get to roll now. Okay, I'm gonna go. Oh, eight. It's already done on yeah, the table. Yeah, that was me again. Sixteen on your 16. table. Sixteen. All right. Diggly Blue Munya says, I liked your episodes about storylines, but I'm still not sure how to use it. Can you please help? Sorry, to what? Sorry, storyline. What? I liked your episodes about storylines, but I'm still not sure how to use it. Can you please help? I did was not on the episode. I was, I was not, not on, on that episode. episode. None of us were on the episode of storylines. Can we please help? The answer is no. no. <laughs> we'll reference this to Adam. And we'll highlight that question and leave it on the table for next time when someone is present. Yeah, I'm going to put yeah. a star to beside that. that question Do you want to roll another one, Megan? I will roll another one. Just right. We'll find a real right. adult to answer we'll that find for you. <laughs> we are not the adults today. 15. Okay. M.V.WillMS asks, which of these movie franchises is your favorite and why? The Mummy, 1 and 2, National Treasure, 1, or Indiana Jones, 1 to 3. So I have a very fast answer to this one. It's The Mummy because that's where my sexual orientation came from. Fair. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I agree with The Mummy. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) The Mummy 2. The Mummy, like... The one and two. The one, okay. I like how it was specifically not anything about the Scorpion King. No, because it sucks. No, absolutely not. And The Mm -hmm. Rock is not attractive in any way, shape, or form. No offense, The Rock. I'm sorry. Still sponsor us. You're a great man. (laughs) You also play D&D, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm going to go with Indiana Jones. Uh, I I did a... I wrote one of the only times I ever wrote a campaign. Uh, There was a big, like, going into the, the Valley of the Crescent Moon kind of thing where they had oh. to go in and figure out the traps to get through to get to the MacGuffin on the other side. Yeah. The MacGuffin? <laughs> yeah, it, it, like it worked. It, it was neat. Uh, I don't think it landed as well as I thought it was going to, but I it had generally fun. doesn't, but... Yeah, it's yeah. All, all matters to me. Yeah. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. All right, is it me though? You physically roll. Uh, it's been a minute for you. Yeah, I rolled two. Number six. Six? Okay. Oh, the big uh, one. Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> I just have to figure out how to names. You have to figure out how to names. I figure out how to figure out. Okay, so acid dialogue. Got it. It's the the double D threw me off. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> thank you, Dave and Adam. Oh shit. For fueling my love forever on. Oh yeah. Well, here we go. This is a praise question for you. I am planning to run the next campaign for my group. As Dad and Adam recommended in the campaign builder, I have three ideas. Which one would you want to play? <gasps> okay, there's three ideas written. It's ever on all of them. Okay, well, can we just, Come what down, would you Dave. play first? Um, 
The War on Terror. Focus on the Order of the Emerald Claw. Two. Little Trouble in the Big City. Focus on Clan Boromar. Settlers of Kabara. Focus on protecting your settlement. Bonus. What would you like to see in your choice? All right, you guys know about those? Do you no, want me to no, this is all you. David. All right, all right. So the Emerald Claw <laughs> is an evil organization uh, that is um, working in the shadows to like pull strings and political intrigue and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. Uh, I have played. There was a three point five module, uh, something about the called the Order of the Emerald Claw or something along those lines, and we we played that one. It was great. It was absolutely fantastic. We had fights on top of lightning rails. Uh, we had fights while airships were crashing. Uh, we had all sorts of really cool stuff. We used Eberron to its fullest, and it was absolutely incredible. Uh, the clan Boromir, Boromar, Boromar. Um, that's going to be like political intrigue in the city of Sharn. That's going to be, uh, Sharn is the city of towers. Uh, that's going to be kind of like uh, sneaking your way through different neighborhoods where you may not always be welcome. You may stand out uh, and kind of like dealing with the seedy underbelly of not just the city, but the politics of the city. So would a Minotaur do well here? Uh, they could. Okay. They could. Fair enough. Uh, and then Kabara is kind of like the unexplored jungles of lizard folk and dragons. Uh, so it would kind of be like that kind of that kind of vibe. All right. My um, answer is dragons and forests. Yeah, mine's Kabara. Dragons and forests. Yeah. You, like, don't get me wrong. I love a good political intrigue. Yeah. But like, I also love a good like... Out of those options, I'd rather go build a town and defend it. Yeah. Though a political intrigue would be hella fun too, but I feel like going into the, the wilderness and building a town. Would in, the, would in Emerald Claw or Boromar, would there be courts? Like court of laws? <laughs> Not in the Emerald Claw. Okay. You can make one in your town, Megan. I'm just really all about like, because I just played in a court game. Like I'm yeah. all about the objection, hearsay bullshit. Like, so. <laughs> can I have any of that in here? There was, there was one <laughs> session we did that was at a masquerade so That's ball. what you want added. That's what I want added. And they had to go into this masquerade <laughs> ball and like suss out who's what and how's it going and like uh, there was so like a murder mystery kind of oh yeah and cool, it was cool, it was cool. really interesting yeah. so so there's a lot of lot going on with Emerald Claw uh, the main guy was a, a changeling his name was Garrow uh, and he showed up later as Regro uh, I just like switched the letters around in his of name of course yeah and but <laughs> completely oblivious they didn't get it at all yeah and uh, it was absolutely wonderful to like see those interactions mm -hmm. so. Yeah, probably Emerald Claw just because I've got such a such a background with it. Fair. I like that. Yeah. That's a fun question. Thank you for that. Yeah. I hope we help. Out of court. Court Ten. of law. <laughs> Tarzan of the Desert asks. Yeah. Do you ever inject current real world issues into your D&D games so your players have an outlet to address them as their characters? A way for everyone to express themselves in a safe place and to blow off a little steam? Example would be at the time of writing this question, I know it would take a while to get to this. We are dealing with the abortion law ruling down in the States and extremely high gas prices across the globe. Um, the overseas conflict with Russia and the Ukraine is also in full swing. In Canada, you have to deal with Terry. So do you inject real world elements? Personally, I don't. It's a great way to get away from them. Yes. I feel like I tend to use fantasy games to not have to deal with the abortion economy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's my... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me well. wrong. Like, I, you do inject, like, real world issues such as inflation or, like, uh, limiting of a supply or, like, mm -hmm. piracy. 
or like um, immigration issues for different towns, X, Y, Z. But I don't feel like I would actually do it to reflect a real world issue happening at that time. Because yeah. I feel like people in general, when they play D&D, are releasing some kind of internalized trauma, no matter what they're playing. And I don't feel like you need to add on top of, I've built this character to internalize and externalize my internal drama, then to add on the real world drama on top of that. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it should be a safe space to just, because it is a safe space. But I feel like when you start introducing real world issues, specifically that are very like, this is a real very world issue and we're talking too. about it, um, it can get way too convoluted and, and draw the focus away from the ideals of the fantasy. You also it. may not want to be sharing those feelings with everyone in that group. Yeah, I guess it depends on your table too. Yeah. Like, because we always talk about in session zero about how you always want to talk about the things you are comfortable talking about and things you are not comfortable talking mm-hmm. about. Like, there are certain people that don't want to deal with children being injured. Yep. Like, that's a, that's a hard stop for a lot of people. So why would we now talk about abortion issues yeah. within a campaign? Like, I'm going to get real here because I'm very saucy about the abortion oh. issues. But no, like, I'm with you. Fully support that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I just feel like that's not something I really want to engage in a table. But to be fair, there might be tables that do want that. Yeah. And be like, hey, like, I'm really struggling with this in life. Can we work through this? That's a session zero talk or potentially even a one shot talk. Yeah. To me. We go have in our same world, we go off with new characters that have nothing to do with our normal characters to deal with this. deal with political intrigue. Yeah. Yeah. But but I mean, I figure that's, that's how I make, you know, meaningful connections with my friends is through the discussion of hot topic issues. Right, I would rather sit down uh, out in the woods with a couple of buddies and a case of beer, absolutely, and and yeah. hash it out there than to sit around a table and skirt around the issue and like maybe address it from a different point of view that isn't necessarily my own yeah. because that's my care. Like, no, 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 no right? Yeah. It's just it's not because your character's view is going to be different than your personal view, mm-hmm. or vice versa, or someone might be playing a character where their view is not what their view is, and then the, your players at your table have to navigate. The well, negativity that might be coming through. Yeah. Like, there's just a lot of too many variables when you add that shit in there. Yeah. Especially with how people react to it. Some may take it extremely seriously and others may take it as a joke. And yeah. because their character is a certain way, that joke may push the person who's serious beyond a point you want. You're going to get somebody knifed at the table. Yeah. yeah. Not worth it. Yeah. There's other ways to get knifed at the there's, table. Yeah. yeah. And there, again, yeah. there's other ways to bring political intrigue into a game without being too blatantly obvious that you're putting yeah. Donald Trump in your game. Yeah. <laughs> I'm rolling now. <laughs> 13 on the red. Zither009 from Reddit. Your party is underwater facing a group of Sawajin. The cleric points at one and casts create slash destroy water centered at one of the Sawagin. What happens? Sahooligan. <laughs> Those damn Sahooligans. Uh, what happens? Is this an instant death scenario as the water around the Sawajin creates into the vacuum of space that was created in that instant? Sahooligan. I would give it to you once that you got to roll a d6 of damage for doing that and being creative. Because yeah. it's not a proper attack, I wouldn't give it to you normally. But if you came at me and said that, I'll give you one attack with it. You just get to roll a d6 for being creative and you can get to do that damage. Yeah. I but always I, say reward creativity yeah. when you can. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like that they get the full effect of the attack that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Unless they're able to roll a ridiculous amount of nonsense or use yeah. inspiration dice to do it. Or explain it to me really well. Yeah, like give like, it to me You give detail. me a good reason why this should work beyond that, oh, it creates a vacuum. Well, the pressure's not that high in there, so. Read it to me like a novel, yeah. my guy. Teach yeah. me why it Look, should hurt. You don't. Make me cry. <laughs> Bring me the math. We've done that before. We asked a DM if we could make a sword out of snake blood. And they're like, 
That's a lot of snakes, because we just dealt with a giant tomb of snakes. And we calculated how much snake, average, well, how much iron is in the average blood of an oh average God. snake. Yeah, I've done and that brought that to our DM. Yeah. It's about 400 <laughs> human adults. Yeah, it's a lot. Sword. It's a lot yeah. of blood. But we brought that to our DM, and he's like, you know what? Because you've gone all this way, you can now make a dagger for it that has an extreme property against snake-type monsters. 100%. Yeah, I, uh, no, I would not let that work at all, uh, because I am a firm believer in there is a spirit in what the spell is intended to work, and that is against it. The spell is meant to create water, to put out a fire, to create water to be consumed. It is not there. It's create water to put in a container. Your lungs are a container, so you could. Are they the... though? I don't store my wallet in my lungs. You store air in your lungs. No, it, it goes see... in and comes out again. Can't I don't like... store air in there. I don't know. It's as arguable as you don't store water in the container once it's empty. Like that's the concept, right? Yeah, but I just I I feel like to me yeah. that's against the spirit of the spell. However, if you're gonna do something weird and neat and think outside the box, yeah, maybe maybe that pressure change when you do it will stun him for a round. Mm -hmm. right i'll throw you a bone but i'm going to make it very clear that this is not going to work the way that you have expected it to because it isn't always going to yeah well that's why i said i give it to them once for the creativity of it but even then like if i gave it to you once now you're gonna expect it to work that way every time i told them it does and that's yeah but players don't always hear you when you say that switch to suck yeah i know that's why i dm as much as i do that's why i suck Oh no, that's oh, a different guys. that's a different reason, James. Okay, conversation today. Yeah. How many questions are we at, fam? Uh one, two, um, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have six. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. So we are at twenty questions. Plus fam. plus there was the, the one The random question that we will continue to keep on the table. Yeah. 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 Uh, however, I know we only do twenty, but there's one here at the top that I think we should just get rid of. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the outro because I also have one. And okay. then I feel like we could read one of the questions that we really want to answer. All right. As like, a, as like an aside. Because I was going to do that. Because <laughs> right. I think it's very topical for today. All right. Thanks for listening, listening to this very special episode of the It's a Mimic podcast. If you'd like to support us, we do have a donate button on our website at www.itsamimic.com. And if you'd like to discuss what you've heard today, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and at r slash It's a Mimic. For other episodes for Mailbag, absolutely, you can find us. But please, absolutely comment your questions. Uh, we like hearing from different people. I feel like we got a couple of different questions from different folks today, which was a lot of fun. Uh, so definitely feel free to bother us on any of those platforms. We're happy to answer your questions. Unless you are peps. Unless you're peps. Peps are cut. Yeah, you're cut now. No more from peps. Yeah. Yeah. None for Gretchen Wieners. Question first. Question all right, all right. So, yeah. so there's one here that I, I really want to get out here. Yeah. Uh, normally, we don't allow our hosts to ask questions, but Jeff was insistent. Okay. Okay. He says, "Your toilet is now sentient." Oh God. Would you prefer it to passionately, exuberantly crave your excrement, or deeply resent and despise you for what you do to it, and why? 
I would want it to like me because it is flushing away yeah. waste I do not want in my own home. I feel like, that's I feel like it's implied that it's going to take it anyways. Or like, or I feel like it's going to vomit it up all over I feel like my... that's your villain arc if you're forcing it to take it. Yeah. Yeah, this is you now being an evil... Yeah, you're now a big bad evil guy. Yeah, you are. This is the most evil thing you've done as a big bad evil guy. Yeah. <laughs> you're forcing someone to consume your excrement who doesn't want it. That's pretty evil. At least the other guy wants it. Yeah. At least you're like rewarding him yeah. for existing. Yeah, but you like, sit there all day in the dark, and you're like, Here's I want to be a little nice bear. to wake up to that and be like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, you go down, he gives you a little Poseidon's yeah. kiss. Yeah, yeah. Like, why not? Just say good morning to you and mean it every right? morning. I feel like that toad seems to be warm every day. Yeah, you know, it prepare itself for you. <laughs> it's just like ready for your for your presentation. I don't know. Cheeks. I think warm seats are <laughs> off putting. Like I need a little because chill you're not used to it. Yeah, <laughs> sure, but like there you needs own to be a little chill. Your toilet's warm for you. I think you'd like it. Not worn by someone else, but... But, like, your sentient toilet is just like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And you forget to put the seat down. It's a real treat for the toilet today. No, they'll put the seat down for you. It's a sentient toilet, Dave. It can put its own seat down. It knows where you go in Just because it knows doesn't mean it can move. Okay, but I feel like... You just said it could keep itself warm. It's not animated. I extrapolated. It's not an animated (laughs) toilet. If it's sentient, it probably is. It probably can move. It's like a tongue comes out and licks you clean after. It's not a mimic. A bidet? Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, I have a question. All right. Now we're going gonna to segue into something completely different. I feel like this is very um, topical because we were talking about Tinder today. What's your best romantic advice for both in-game and out-of-game scenarios? Ugh. Ugh. Don't do what I do. Get a sentient toilet. <laughs> Get a sentient toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing will love you like it. Uh-huh. Are the three of us single? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We have no advice for you. Yeah, this is the wrong group. Um, As I said, do the opposite of what we've done and it may work. (laughs) All right, all right. Opposite of what I've done. Okay. Uh, Project confidence. Okay. That's the opposite of what you've done? Yeah, I am not confident. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Do something different than what you normally would. So if you're normally on dating sites, go to a meetup. Meetup. I'd go to a meteor. <laughs> that would certainly solve the problem. That would solve a lot of problems for a lot so of people. Dark. Yeah. Oh my god. No, I have no advice for this whatsoever. I'm using the opposite of what I would do. Oh, what's the opposite of what is the opposite of what I would do? Um, I would exude no confidence. I feel like I exude a lot of confidence yeah. every day. So. Yeah, no, that's not that's not me. Uh, also, no, I would rely on others and accept love. <laughs> Except compliments. I am a strong, independent woman. <laughs> mm. I think, like, actually, like, really good advice. What is, what is, like, some... If we, any of us had good advice, do you think we would be single, David? Don't just listen. Hear them. Okay, actively listen is what you're saying. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't hear what you were saying. I can you hear how loud the toilet seat was. <laughs> <laughs> You know the noise of, like, the airplane toilet? Like, yeah. Do <laughs> <laughs> you feel like your soul gets sucked out? Oh, my yeah. God. Sorry uh, for whoever's ending this. Enjoy uh, this little tidbit. <laughs> what the actual fuck just happened? Well, I'm glad we ended with ass licking. Right? <laughs>